Happy Tuesday, everyone. Welcome back to Unbothered. It's great to be back after having a week off. It's nice to be here talking about sports again. So I'm going to be getting into last night's Monday night game, some other highlights from week six of the NFL. And then we're six weeks through entering week seven. I'm giving you my top 10 teams in the NFL. Then, can you also believe that we're halfway through the college football season? I'm actually going to give you my top seven because I think there are seven teams that have officially separated themselves from the pack so far, seven undefeateds. I rank them in some other notes as well from the college football season so far. Let's get into it. Starting with last night's Monday night football game between the Cowboys and the Chargers. So I wasn't online last week to make my picks for you all. Who you should go for. Put your money on. Win some money. But I did pick the Dallas Cowboys to win last night. And they won. They delivered. Was it unimpressive? Yes. Was I expecting this game to be better? Yes. Especially pre-game. You had the the scuffle there that involved Austin Eckler and the Cowboys before the game. I thought, hey, this is going to be a chippy, good game. But I was unimpressed by either team. I was. uh, Cowboys got the win 2017. uh, But you could tell these two teams watching them are very similar. And they have the same tragic flaw. And that tragic flaw happens to be the head coach. Neither coaches for their respective teams are elite uh, play callers, uh, strategists, um, motivators. They're just not. Mike McCarthy is a dud. Jerry Jones handpicked him um, because he's a non-controversial guy. But he's not the right man for a job. He's not capable of leading the Dallas Cowboys. To a Super Bowl. And then on the other hand, you have the Los Angeles Chargers and Brandon Staley, who is into analytics, but can't win close games, can't play call, can't coach a lick. And all Chargers fans hope, wish, and pray that he gets fired as soon as possible. So two, again, poorly coached teams in terms of timeout usage and clock management. I mean, both of them are very bad. Uh, Justin Herbert, I thought, played one of the most unimpressive games of his career. Now people are going off on Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert has a bad game, and they're selling their Justin Herbert stock. They are uh, dropping dropping him out of the top 10 quarterback rankings, saying, is it really Brandon Staley or is it Justin Herbert? I can acknowledge that Justin Herbert did make bad plays yesterday. Or not great throws, I should say. Uh, Keenan Allen overthrew him. The interception at the end was reckless and bad. Not Justin Herbert-esque. Not his greatest game. Uh, but he was also under duress most of the night. Uh, the, they had like six holding uh, penalties um, because they couldn't contain the Dallas pass rush. Uh, he was sacked at the end there by Michael Parsons. It was not a clean game by the Los Angeles Chargers. Uh, They had a tough time getting things going. Uh, Dallas, on the other hand, 
didn't look impressive running the football. They had trouble doing against this Chargers defense, and that's surprising to say. Didn't top over 100. Um, Dak was their leading rusher with 40. Tony Pollard carried the ball 15 times for 30 yards. Uh, this has just told me this whole season that Tony Pollard needs another guy back there. Last year, he was great with Zeke, or really the past two years, because he was, was the home run hitter. Zeke could come in. It was a great balance between two running backs. But with Tony Pollard being the feature back, he is not that guy. He simply isn't. Uh, I Dak up a win. They sacked Dak five times. Again, Dak didn't play great, uh, played better than Justin Herbert. And that is saying something because you have to win a close game like this. Uh, Dallas, I thought, really had to win it. They were, again, must win for them, considering the blowout that they just suffered against the 49ers, the letdown they already suffered against the Cardinals. They needed this win, and they got it. They got the win. That's all you can ask for. So good for the Cowboys. Uh, you know, congratulations to them getting C.D. Lamb involved. Um, I think you have to get him involved more like they did Yesterday, where they get him going, he can be one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. So very, very key there. Um, Chargers now, to me, they're facing their must-win situation next week. And that situation is a little tougher because they happen to play the Kansas City Chiefs. What else do I want to talk about from week six? So to me, there were a few virtual locks this week, or locks in terms of everybody was kind of picking the same way. That was Kansas City over the Broncos, Miami over the Panthers, Buffalo over the Giants, Philly over the Jets, and the 49ers over the Browns. Uh, most of those covered and won except for two. And that was Philly and the Niners. I want to start with Philly. They lost to the New York Jets 20-14. Uh, opening drive for them looked absolutely great. Um, you know, 19 plays, 91 yards, 10 minutes of possession time, and they get the touchdown. What happens, Lane Johnson, their star right tackle, and it happens to be the best right tackle in all of football. Gets injured, and they struggled ever since that injury that they faced. So they struggled, and then the Jets' defense settled in and really picked it up. They sacked Tua, or they sacked Jalen Hurts two times, and they picked him off three times. Um, this Jets' defense is really Really good. Are they historic like the 85 Bears they wanted to be or the Legion of Boom? No. The current Cleveland Brown defense is on pace for such numbers, not the New York Jets. But the New York Jets had a tough schedule uh, to start the season. To me, it was the toughest opening six games of any team where they had to face the Bills, the Cowboys, the Patriots, again, who Belichick owns. And Belichick on the Jets and the Chiefs and the Broncos and the Eagles. It was a tough six game stretch. Before the season, 
you had some people saying, hey, being three and three would be a really good spot from here. Uh, some people predicted, oh, they're going to go two and four, one and five. Some said oh and six. And everything changed. Aaron Rodgers got hurt, and this team went three and three. They beat the Bills. They did get beat by the Cowboys handily. Patriots, a game they could have won. The Chiefs, another game they should have, could have won. Beat the Broncos and beat the Eagles. So now there is some relief in the schedule. They're 3-3, three and three, and there are real winnable games good because they have a good defense. Zach Wilson is playing adequate. He is playing a lot better than last year. I, you can tell he's matured as a leader. Uh, is his throwing accuracy and everything great? No, but it's improving from last year. So now they have a stretch of games where, hey, they can alternate some wins here and finish. Nine and eight, ten and seven. When we were thinking about Aaron Rodgers getting going injured, uh, people were saying four and thirteen, five and twelve. This team's bad, but they got the Giants coming up this week. Winnable game, yeah. I'll pick the Jets this week because the Giants look terrible. They play the Chargers Monday night game. That should be good in New York. They play the Raiders. Another winnable game for them. The Bills, and the, again, Jets defense has had the Bills number. This one's in Buffalo, so stiff, stiffer test. Then they play the Dolphins. And that, to me, uh, kind of marks the last uh, stretch. They kind of have two seasons, and the schedule gets progressively easier, where the first six were really tough. The middle six is semi-tough, and then their kind of last few games aren't as difficult because – in December, January, they get the Falcons at home, the Texans at home. They play the Dolphins again. Then they play the Commanders at home. They play the Browns and finish with the Patriots. This is a team that can win some games and I think could be sneak into the playoffs. Could be end of that December stretch. Could they somehow get Aaron Rodgers back, who's already throwing the football around uh, this Jets team. I'm not selling my stock in the Jets quite yet. Whereas the Eagles have to figure some things out. The Eagles, they lose their right tackle. The offense looks different. Uh, Jalen Hurts has regressed this year. He has. There's no uh, say about it. He's thrown seven touchdowns to seven interceptions. That's not the ratio you want to have. The defense has also regressed. They're allowing the opposing quarterback rating of around, or pass rating of around 95. That's not good enough on defense. You have to get stops. Your pass defense is really poor, and they're not airing the ball out as well as they did last year. So, again, their rush defense, rush offense is good, but I'm not sold on their passing attack and their passing defense. They have to figure some things up. Uh, they're kind of just winning, getting by. I think this one was a real wake-up call. And then you have the 49ers playing the Browns. And I was really, really wanted to pick the Browns on this one. I didn't. Um, but the Browns, defensively, again, are on a historic pace. Right now, Miles Garrett uh, was great. Um Trent Williams has gotten the better of 
about everybody he faces. Uh, Miles Garrett, I think, is the lone exception that I've seen in the past two or three years. You see Aaron Donald go up against him or a TJ Watt um, in anybody they kind of shift over there. Uh, you know, Micah Parsons, Trent Williams makes him look pedestrian. Miles Garrett, totally different story. He was winning that battle uh, at the end of the game and the whole game, just dominating that matchup. But Brock Purdy looked pedestrian going into the fourth quarter. He had 72 passing yards, uh, one touchdown, one interception. Didn't play great, 125 total yards he finished with. Did he get him in uh, the line there at the end to kick the game when he field goal, which the kicker just missed? Yes, but for the majority of the night, there was mistakes on offense. The 49ers didn't look good. Brock Purdy playing an elite defense was confused. Miles Garrett, again, in the backfield, Brock Purdy took three sacks, an interception, a QBR of 40, and a pass rating of 55. And, again, I have not been on the notion of Brock Purdy for MVP or anything like that. I do think he's a product of an elite system. Uh, They had no Christian McCaffrey and no uh, Debo Samuel for most of the game. What do they do? Uh, Brock Purdy lays an egg. Uh, It doesn't look good. He needs the weapons around him. And that's why I give credit to Jimmy G, because Jimmy G didn't have uh, Christian McCaffrey and got them to a Super Bowl and got them within another game of getting to another Super Bowl. He didn't have Christian McCaffrey as the focal point on this offense. It was this passing game. It was, yeah, you ran it with Elijah Mitchell or whoever was running back there, but it was Jimmy G. The quick, short passes to Debo Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, and Brock Purdy, to me, is inconsistent. Uh, Yes, he's won every game he started until now. So can we quiet down on the Tom Brady hype? The Tom Brady has Tom Brady meteoric rise that Brock Purdy is having. Let's get real. Let's get serious here. Brock Purdy is not the quarterback Tom Brady is and will probably never be the quarterback that Tom Brady is. So can we just chill because he faced a elite defense, their first, I think, elite defense they faced all year. And what happens? Oh, that's right. They lose the game. That's what happens. I don't want to hear people tell me that Pittsburgh's defense is elite. Uh, They have one guy in T.J. Watt, but it's not a top 10 defense. I'm sorry to break it to you. It's third, bottom three in the NFL. That's how bad the defense is. Cowboys are at eight. They're good, but come on. We know the Niners have their number. Let's not fool ourselves here about this team. Uh, Okay, can we just... Just keep it real here for a second. We'll see them smoke the Vikings this coming week. Get back on track. But then they play the Bengals. Let's see how the defense fares. Let's see how this team fares.
other things. Buffalo beat the New York Giants uh, barely, though it was 14 to nine. Very surprised by this. Buffalo, I believe, were 15 point favorites. Did they end up winning? Yes. Could it have been more convincing? Why, yes. I had a tough time getting into rhythm. Uh, Brian Dable, I thought, did a good job. Uh, again, very close with Josh Allen from his days in Buffalo. So I do think Brian Dable, knowing some of his tendencies, was able to relay that to the defense to kind of get his team in shape and order uh, to have a chance to win this game. And he did a fantastic job of that. Josh Allen was in great, was confused uh, most of the game. Um, and I saw this meme, and it kind of described Josh Allen perfectly. And it was Josh Allen's curse is that he plays to the level of competition that the opposing quarterback is. And I couldn't agree any more with that. And that's what we've seen from Josh Allen so far this year. Opening week against Zach Wilson, he plays uh, to Zach Wilson less than Zach Wilson. He throws three interceptions, look bad. Uh, you know, he plays against Tua and to a high-powered offense, and Josh Allen literally raises the bar. He plays against Patrick Mahomes, raises his level of play, but he plays lower quarterbacks like Tyrod Taylor um, and, and kind of lowers – it, so, again, they need to get that figured out. I would like to see a more um, level of consistency uh, with Josh Allen. I think the offense is good, defense is good, but just finding a more consistent level of play, I would like a lot more from this team. Other notes. Seattle-Cincinnati, another game I want to talk about. Cincinnati got back on track. Uh, is now 3-3 three and three heading into their bye because they were able to beat the Seattle Seahawks and the Bengals defense I thought was really good in terms of confusing Joe Burrow or my bad Geno Smith, disguising blitzes, blitzing at the right time because they have held Geno Smith um, to no touchdowns, picked him off twice, force force X. And what I see from Geno, a tendency I don't like, and Shannon Sharp uh, pointed this out too. I'm glad he did. Um, and it's that Geno Smith has a tendency when there is pressure around him to not throw the ball away. He kind of retreats and takes a larger sack than he should have um, in terms of, you know, you take the you just take the sack, but you don't run backwards um, and cost the team more yards or you just throw the ball away to not take it at all. So Geno Smith shows why he's not an elite level quarterback. In this league, the Bengals' defense did a great job of containing him, containing the running game, uh, only holding Kenneth Walker to 62 yards, the Seattle team to 87. I uh, didn't allow a 100-yard receiver as well. This Cincinnati defense stepped up in key situations down there in the red zone in the um, fourth quarter. Uh, and the late in the game, guess what? Uh, in the second half alone, the uh, Seahawks were 0 for 3 in the Bengals' red zone, or in their red zone. Uh, one interception, you're at, all the way at the Cincinnati 3, um, you know, penalty on them. 
So instead of a th- uh, third and goal at the three, it becomes a second and goal at the 18. You throw an interception. That's points right there that costs the team. Uh, then you're down there later in the fourth quarter, uh, and you throw or you get a turnover on downs at the six uh, because Geno Smith takes a sack. And then last drive of the game, another one at the Cincinnati nine, and they can't complete any passes at third and eight and fourth and eight. So Cincinnati did a good job, but if Seattle kicked two field goals instead of a turnover on downs or the interception, they would have won. It would have been 19-17 to to kick field goals on all of those. It would have been 22-17 for Cincinnati to go down the field and get a touchdown. Changes their perplexion of the game. So, again, I'm for analytics going for it on fourth downs on some occasions. But you have to measure the momentum of the game, the the feel, your defense, which it was really good stopping the Cincinnati offense, the two timeouts, the two-minute warning. It's like, hey, let's kick the field goals. Let's play it safe because – we like our defense to get it back. Do we trust our defense or not? And they obviously didn't trust their defense to get the ball back, which is why you go for it in that situation because you don't trust your defense. Because it's different for me. And I'm going to like it, Mr. Madden. And Madden, if I have the time, the timeouts, give me the points to where, hey, I just need a field goal to win it. Uh, this notion that, oh, you need a touchdown to win it, um, so I might as well go for it. To me, doesn't make a lot of sense when I can kick the field goal, get the ball back, kick another field goal, because it's harder to get touchdowns than it is field goals. Field goals, your kicker can kick from the, anywhere for 50 yards. Touchdowns, you have to get it within the 10 yards of the end zone. So that uh, play calling there by Pete Carroll, Seattle, I didn't like big win for Cincy. I think that wraps up all of the week six highlights. I just know from other games, Lions beat the Bucks. Uh, again, Lions are a great team. Beat them 20 to 6. Uh, held Baker in check. Ravens won 24 16. Ryan Tannehill is not good. Commanders, uh, won 24 16 over the Falcons. They are the streak enders. Broke Desmond Ritter's streak of never losing a game at home. Uh, Jaguars look good, even though Trevor Lawrence, little, Regression there, also injury. That'll be worth noting if he plays Thursday night. Carolina is still winless. Is the Dolphins win 42-21. Vikings without Justin Jefferson get the win 19-13. Texans beat the Saints 20-13. Raiders beat the Patriots 21-17. Also another note, Josh McDaniels has never lost a game as head coach against former coach Bill Belichick and Rams won 26-9. So now with that being said, let's get to my top 10 NFL teams right now. Number 10, Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome Cincinnati back. They are kind of alone here at 10. Uh, There was a lot of options too at the 10 spot to choose from. Um, A lot of viable teams. You had Tampa Bay, uh, Pittsburgh, Seattle, Cleveland, uh, Cincy. And I thought Cincy was the right play here. Why? Yes, they're 3-3, three and three, but they have looked a lot better the past two weeks with Joe Burrow not being on the injury report. 
Joe Burrow is mobile again. He's running around, avoiding sacks, extending plays. That'll win some games. Toughest remaining schedule. But if this is a team that we saw go to back-to-back AFC championships and the Super Bowl after this bye week with them getting more healthier, watch out for the Bengals. I still think they can make a run. They are my Super Bowl pick, and I am sticking with it. Number nine, the Baltimore Ravens. He got the win. They're 4-2. Lamar is playing really well this year. Um, You know, he has thrown for... Over a 1,000 yards, five touchdowns, and three interceptions. They are Lamar-dependent, which is why he's also leading their team and rushing at 327 and four touchdowns. So he has a total of nine um, total touchdowns so far this season. Uh, offensively, they're just outside of the top ten. And defensively, they are the second-best defensive unit in the NFL. Uh in terms of total yards per game, only averaging or allowing 15.2 points per game. This is a stout defense, and the offense is coming together. This is a very good football team, Bengals-Ravens 10-9. Number eight, I got the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yes, they won, but to me, they don't look as good as they did the latter half of last year. Trevor Lawrence got injured. Uh, You know, kind of just a pedestrian offense when you have Minnesota, who's Two and four ahead of them on offense. That is scary. And then defensively, they're middle of a pack again. So just the middle of a pack team is what they are. Their record is four and two. Uh, impressive. They beat the Bills uh, if they're home in London. But the Jaguars don't instill fear in me. But I respect them. That's why we're here at eight. Seven, the Dallas Cowboys. Offensively, I would like to see more of them. Uh, and it's funny that, you know, they had Kellen Moore and they were number five, top five in offense, like four years in a row. And Kellen Moore leaves and they're middle of the pack. And the Cardinals have a better offense than them. Uh, defensively, they're really good. Is it as good as in years past? No. Are we still top ten? Yes, it's a very good defense, but it's not the Browns, Niners, Ravens level defense. Number six, Buffalo Bills, one of two, uh, uh, actually one of my bad, one of four teams to be number in top ten offensively and defensively. They are the fifth best uh, unit offensively, top five. They score 29 points per game. Uh, you know, they air, they air the ball out. They're running the ball better than they have with Josh Allen defensively. Uh, they lead the the league in sacks, and I actually I should take this back. Uh, Buffalo um, is not a top ten defense after this past week. My bad. Um, don't want to steer you wrong there. That is why they are at six, but nonetheless they are still very good defensively. However, some of the injuries, Matt Milano, Jadavius White, has made this defense more uh, able to attack them than you have recently. Number five. Miami Dolphins. They're five and one. There's five five and one teams. To me, they are the least uh, best five and one. Again, we'll find out against Philly this week when those two teams play. But yes, Miami has the best offense by a mile this year, averaging 500 yards per game, 37 points per game. Offensively, you can't come close to them. Tyreek Hill is an MVP candidate. 
is one of the most dangerous wide receivers and players in the league. But then you look at the defense, and you hold up the microscope to that, and it is really not good, allowing 26 points a game, 350 yards. Um, this defense needs to get better, improve, and then they could be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. Number four. Now we're going to shock some people here. Number four is the San Francisco 49ers. Yes, they are good. Again, uh, one of four teams to be top ten offense and defense in the NFL. Uh, the remaining four are all in that category. Uh, but to me, San Francisco is the least scary. And it's based on quarterback. Yes, they have an all-star caliber team uh, lineup, tight end, running back, coach, scheme, all that. But when the chips are all pushed to the table come crunch time, I like Brock Purdy the least amount of the four quarterbacks I'm going to name. So when you have such similar teams in top ten offense, top five offense, and defense, it comes down to quarterback play. Who's going to win the game? And I'm sorry, I don't trust Brock Purdy in that situation. Number three, I trust a little bit more because he's been there and delivered. Jalen Hurts is great. Philadelphia is number two in total offense behind the Eagles so far this year. And defensively, they're number 10, so top 10 on both. Uh, number two rushing defense. Pass, I would like to see their pass defense improve. I think they will over time. It's hard to replace both coordinators. Um, you can see that there is some growing pains but I believe they'll get it fixed, they'll recover. Number two, the Kansas City Chiefs. Kansas City Chiefs, uh, number four in total offense, and uh, number six in total defense. Uh, defensively, this is one of the best defenses in the league, the best defense Patrick Mahomes has had. They're a really sound unit with Chris Jones offensively. Patrick Mahomes is that guy, however, the weapons, to me, are a concern outside of Travis Kelsey. He's also has an ankle injury that he's going to be dealing with the rest of the season. Uh, the receivers don't create a lot of separation. It puts a lot of pressure on Mahomes to be accurate on every single football. And team number one is the Detroit Lions. Now, if you've been listening to my podcast, you know I'm a Detroit Lions fan. This is the first time... I have ever, in the iteration of my top ten, have ever put the Lions at number one. But they deserve it. They do. Um, it's not bias, recency bias. It is through six weeks. Detroit looks like the best team in the league. Uh, they are the third best offense in the NFL. Uh, defensively, uh, they are number seven. Um, right behind the Chiefs in, in defense, right ahead of them in offense. So those teams are very similar. Um, but the thing I like more is Jared Goff has a better offensive line and better weapons to throw to. I like that combination a lot. Oh, and the fact that I beat Kansas City already this year, which happens to be the best win of the season. If, if I were to rematch them, it wouldn't be an arrowhead. It wouldn't. It would be neutral field. There's a lot of Lions fans out there, so... Lions deserve to be number one. They are a great team. They're winning football games. Uh, ben Johnson has a great OC. This team is right there at number one. So there you have my top ten. 
you have Bengals, Ravens, Jags, Boys, Bills, Dolphins, Niners, Eagles, Chiefs, and Lions. But now let's move to college football. We are halfway through the college football season. That was another exciting week of college football. You had uh, Oregon lose to Washington. Washington, great win. Oregon had the game-tying field goal there at the end, and they couldn't get it. It was an absolute great game. You had Notre Dame obliterate USC and just say Caleb Williams is not winning the Heisman this year, and USC is not making a playoff this year in one big swoop. So it was just great um, in college football weekend, but we are halfway through. So I am going to give you my top seven teams in college football. Uh, Start with number seven, and I'm going with Oklahoma Sooners here. I'm giving them uh, this because Oklahoma has been very good. Their strength of record is number one. Their strength of schedule is 39. Uh, They have one of the best wins in um, Texas. But outside of Texas, to me, they haven't played an elite team where I look at them and say, oh, wow, yes, they played this, this, and this. So uh, they've been dominant. So, again, I can't say that about Oklahoma um, so far this year. They've looked good against the cupcake schedule that they have. A lot of teams have cupcakes, but they're not as efficient as the other teams I'm about to mention against some of their schedules. Number six, Penn State. Uh, Penn State has one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, They are really good, number one in terms of total yards uh, per game. Uh, They have a good offense as well. just beat a team like 66-0. They beat Iowa. Iowa 6-1, so that win is impressive as well. I like Penn State at 6. Number 5, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Yes, the Ohio State Buckeyes are number 5. Um, again, they're an efficient team. They've improved their defense. They have a good win over Notre Dame. Um, but when this team faces pressure, adversity, how are they going to handle it when the coach doesn't send 10 people out on defense? I think we'll find out against Penn State this week. Number four, the Florida State Seminoles. Yes, they are number four. Uh, they have a great win to open the season against LSU. They also beat Clemson. I think it holds a little bit of value. But Tra- Jordan Travis is great. Jared Verse is also really good. Keon Coleman. Bates' uh, team is just really talented, and I think when they're on like they were that first week, they can beat a handful of teams um, any any Saturday. Number three, the Washington Huskies. So the Washington Huskies have the best offense in uh, college football to me but in terms of efficiency. Uh, they're number one, 545 yards per game, 45 points per game. This is a really good offensive team. Michael Penix is your favorite for Heisman um, as well. This team is just a really good football team. Which brings me to the top two. And these to me are, are tiers above the teams I just named. Number two is Michigan. I would love to put Michigan at one. 
Albert, can I really have a list with credibility with Detroit and Michigan at one? Say what you will. Michigan is great. They are the number one most efficient team in the country in terms of the college football power index. Uh, 94.5 efficiency rank. They are the third most efficient offense and second most efficient defense. This team is really good. So when you dominate like Michigan has, you can talk about their schedule all they want. Though we talked about Penn State even though their schedule, minimally better. Oh, Georgia, minimally better so far. But Michigan has had more convincing wins, has been better. Um, number one scoring defense. This team is really, really good. But I just give a nod slightly to Georgia, even though they haven't been as dominant as Michigan uh, has. Why do I give them that nod? Because they've won 24 games in a row. That is tough to do. When you've won that many games in a row, when you can find ways to win when you're not playing your best, that's a sign of a resilient, tough team. So I have to give credit to Georgia for that, for winning that many games in a row. Uh, That's special. So I'll give credit there to Georgia. So that is my top seven in college football halfway through the season. Penix is the Heisman favorite. Uh, Caleb Williams, after this loss, three interceptions against Notre Dame. Schemes really got to him. Shador Sanders has been playing great, but three losses, game-costing interception was bad. Washington's been also the most surprising team in terms of uh, where they were to start the year. A lot of people picked um, Oregon to win this game, uh, myself included, um, but they've really been dominant, you know, this whole year. The most disappointing would have to be either LSU or Clemson. Uh, LSU was preseason number five, and they already have two losses. Clemson has two losses. So when you have that kind of preseason hype around you, um, you're just not that. This has been Unbothered. I'll talk to you all later. Bye, everybody.